What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. And today, I am joined by Stephen Gardner, who is a Phoenix Suns beat reporter for The Bright Side. He does some terrific work at, I guess it would be SB Nation as well, and Nuts and Bolts Sports and his podcast, Madhouse on Madison, which covers the Chicago Bulls. Stephen, so much has happened since we spoke last month when we got coffee last month talking about this team. So I'm curious, how you doing today? And appreciate you coming on the show. Man, I'm doing well. I'm heavily entrenched with the, the men's side of basketball right now, <laughs> the playoffs going on. But this is the time of the year we love transitioning from the NCAA tournament on both sides, from the men's and women's side, which is a brilliant tournament again. Um, and then transitioning into the playoffs for the for the uh, NBA side of things. So exciting times, man. How about yourself? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. You seem a little, you know, I can sense some tiredness right now, some fatigue after the, all these West Coast games that start for 9, 10 o'clock for us. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to make it happen. Man, um, my pleasure. That's what we live for, man. <laughs> well, in just a couple of weeks, man, we're going to be at Sky Training Camp and before we get into that, I mean, there there was some big news coming out of Chicago this past week where a student fall, it was reported by Andy Costable that a student will not be playing for the Sky this season or in the WNBA, I should say. Andy talked to Dew's agent who said that the short time between a student's season in Italy and when she needed to report to training camp and along with her international schedule for this upcoming summer were factors in Astu's decision to not play this season in the WNBA. So Astu had signed a one-year deal before her contract was suspended by the Sky, and Chicago now has $143,968 in cap space, according to her hoop stats. So, Stephen, let's talk about the on-the-court factors that come into this, or the the impact that Astu's absence will have on the sky this season. How big a deal do you think that is? I do think it's it's going to have some type of impact in terms of what James Wade had in mind, in terms of what his most optimal rotation, just off of theory and kind of looking at his roster on paper, would be. Astu was certain to be uh, one of the cogs to the newfound uh, rotation in the front court that they're going to be using, uh, transitioning from the Emma Misaman of course, Azari Stevens and Candace Parker um, rotation. So I think a stool was supposed to be a big part of that just because of the length and the versatility that she brings and just the many things that she brings, especially in energy on offense and specifically on the offensive rebounding as well. Uh, her last season with this guy, I think she was in like the, the 86th percentile or something, something around there for offensive rebounds, just getting those extra possessions and really just pursuing the ball with activity and using her length and her wingspan to her advantage also being good with screening as well so that's going to be a missed entity but i think they'll rebound from it well i think they have a chance too as well i think even somewhat off the floor just not having someone who was a part of that 2021 championship team someone we've seen do great things on the basketball court both in the united states and in euro league as well she's really had after taking the like, last season off, she's actually done pretty well in EuroLeague this year. Like not mind blowing numbers, but definitely someone who at six five, you would want to give you a little bit of scheme versatility. Someone who can, I mean, I think one of the best parts about being underneath the basket as a media member is you can actually 
feel the length and see it for yourself with like how big these players are. And Stu, to me, has always stood out to me in terms of her wingspan, especially. And when I think about the playoffs with the Sky, and that is their goal for this season, that is something that they've said coming out of the offseason, just we expect to continue our winning ways. Losing someone like a Stu Fall, who I kind of pictured maybe even in the starting lineup for this team, and on, more importantly, the closing lineup, someone that can stretch the floor for you a little bit, but also guard the John Quill Joneses, the Candace Parkers of the world, potentially. How much do you think, let me phrase it this way, do you think there's like a clear-cut starting or closing lineup that this guy are going to roll with at the top or the end of the season? Or is that something do you think James Wade is kind of going to get a better idea about when training camp comes around in less than two weeks? I know it's right around the corner. Can't believe I, think, it. <laughs> I think the answer to your question, you kind of answered uh, when you were talking about us too. And speaking to the team transitioning from some of the lingering pieces that were on that team in previous renditions. The only way to truly evolve is if you kind of latch away from some of those pieces, even if they would help your team, um, so that you're not kind of playing both sides of the fence. If you're full-fledged into a evolution of your roster, then you may as well go all in. And I think, unfortunately, I do think Astu will help with this team a lot, but the fact that she's not going to be available is also a blessing in disguise because now it allows for James to transition from things that he might be comfortable with, and he has to kind of learn new pieces. I do think that the only key piece in the front court that I think is going to be a staple in terms of uh, starting lineups and closing is going to be Elizabeth Williams. Just because of so, she brings so much versatility, so much activity, um, just so much impact in general on the defensive side. Um, for, for Sky fans that may not have seen Elizabeth play that much, she plays similarly to how Candace Parker and Emma Miesemann do in terms of in the pick and roll, being able to play drop coverage, play at the level of the screen, hedge out, double team, switch even, and then protect the basket and play with activity in between there as well. So I think Elizabeth is going to be the staple and potentially the newfound anchor for this team. She's arguably the sky's most important defensive player for this upcoming season. And mm -hmm. especially with the loss of a studio fall, along with we don't really know how Alana Smith is going to translate back to the WNBA, though Again, her spot is secured on this roster. It's something that James Wade said back in February. So I am curious to see how he's going to put this together because, and I think the Double Down WNBA guys have brought this up as well. And definitely check out that podcast if you don't, anyone who's listening to this. The offensive fit with Elizabeth Williams and Isabel Harrison, I don't think is that organic. And I think there's quite a bit of overlap on this roster in the front court. When you look at how those players maximize their abilities on the offensive end, just in the pick and roll, I mean, look at their, if you look at their synergy page and how often they either like score the pick and roll or in the post, I mean, the, the, the numbers are going to look pretty similar. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like, because the front court depth looks like this. It's like we said, Isabel Harrison, Elizabeth Williams, Alana Smith, Ruthie Hebert, and technically, Lee Yaru, who the last time I talked with this guy, they said that the situation with her coming back to the WNBA is fluid at this moment. And they also just signed Morgan Birch, who she just signed a training camp deal and she was drafted by the Wings back in 2019, which I think is an interesting fit. But do you think that's enough in the front court? Or do you think the sky with they have 
I would say like what two spots left on this or two, three spots left in this roster that they should try to be one. Maybe they should just go for like signing 12 players or like give themselves some more flexibility with just having north of $143,000 in cap space and try to wait this thing out a little bit and see how training cramp progresses for the rest of the teams in the WNBA. I think that's the beauty of the timing with it because you can allow yourself the space to somewhat experiment, see what you have, and then assess the market for what might potentially be available. Yeah. And then um, use your discernment in terms of the fit for said pieces that might that you might that might potentially like catch your eye or pique your interest in terms of their fit with your roster. So I do think um, I think there's potential for the Elizabeth Williams and Isabel Harrison front court pairing to work. It's just all about how the spacing for the three players around those two is going to fit together. Yeah. And even more so, I think it's going to be um, seeing if Isabel Harrison can stretch the floor a little bit more. She's shown that she has potential to knock down 16-footers. Let's see if she can expand that, because if she can expand to a little bit closer to the corner or even expand all the way to the corner, of course, Alana Smith can do that. We know that. But if if Izzy specifically can do that, and then she's allowed to use her defensive versatility in tandem with Elizabeth Williams. Now we're starting to see a little bit of the redundancy that we saw with Emma Mieseman and Candace Parker. It's positive redundancy, meaning if you yeah. call the four or the five into the pick and roll, guess what? The coverage is not going to change. You got to deal with this activity, deal with this athleticism, and deal with this length. And on the back end of that, it's going to be the opposite player who's going to be able to hold it down as in rim protection and then help and anchor in the backside of the defense. So I think there's certain potential there. And I also think that Alana brings a certain level of activity defensively as well. She's not the biggest in terms of front court pieces, but she has switchability and she has the activity levels and the energy that can kind of infuse and engage the team as well on defense. Alana looks much stronger than what she did, you know, <laughs> when she was coming out of Stanford, you know, I think that's just something that we kind of forget about sometimes. And especially in this league where, Instant results are just necessary for the young players in this league, given how cramped rock roster space is. And uh, Alana Smith looks stronger to me from what, again, just the limited film that I've been able to find online uh, for what she's been able to do in, in Poland this year. I feel like she's someone that's going to be so important for this offense, just to give yes. them a little bit more space. I think giving her more minutes and her being able to knock down shots either in the corner or just from, you know, with beyond the restricted area, let's just say giving this team a little bit more space and give Kalia copper more space. I should say, as this team is not, it's going to be a little bit more challenging for Kalia copper this season. I believe being the focal point of the offense every single night now. And you know, she's said that she's, she's also been in the weight room getting stronger and that should terrify teams. but. I think Alana Smith is going to be even more important now, now that a stew is gone. Are there any players now though, that you are looking at on the free agent market right now that stick out to you in terms of, you know what, this guy should just keep an eye on X player as either the season progresses or even just as training camp progresses. No, honestly, because I just feel like James is kind of set with what he had because he had to do so much work to piece together the roster that kind of fits the schemes and, things like that that he likes to run on both sides of the floor. Uh, so I, if I was to kind of like tweak your question and kind of yep. teeter it back to Alana or Elena, excuse me, 
uh, I think she has like just like with Izzy and uh, Elizabeth Williams, she has a lot of potential. There's a certain ceiling that she can hit, and if she can hit those those numbers consistently with her spacing, and not just her spacing in terms of catch and shoot, but the fact that she can move with her shooting. So coming off of screens potentially, um, shooting off of movement, lifting from the corner or sinking to the corner opposite of Kalia Copper drives, which obviously is a pass that Kalia's made with great consistency to players like Ali Quigley in seasons past. So having a shooter like that that's on the second side that can shoot off a of movement that has that's gonna garner attention from help defense, as well as a player like Marina Mabry, like you mentioned, potentially being one pass away or strong side. So there's not gonna be any help there for Kalia to have to worry about. Like the little interpersonal dynamics like that, just allowing for Kyle to have more space to operate in, being the best driver of the basketball in the WNBA and one of the best drivers of basketball in general, whatever level of or uh, side of basketball you want to look at. She's just one of the best slashers. Giving her enough space to where she doesn't have to worry about help defenders too often is going to be all important, man. Your Phoenix Suns right now could use someone like Kalia Copper who actually gets to man. the line more than that team does. So, man, talking uh, about rim pressure, man, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's really all that I had in mind for just thinking about this in the short term. And we're going to be back tomorrow with Chris Pennant, who wasn't able to join us today. And appreciate you filling in, man. But how are you feeling about the sky in general, man? As we wrap this up here, I mean, how are you feeling about where this team is at? heading into the season. I mean, is that something that you've even had a chance to think about given uh, how busy your schedule's been? Man, listen, you know how much I love hoop in general, and that's not specific to one gender. So, yes, my the wheel has been spinning in my mind on this upcoming WNBA season at large, but specifically with the Sky, of course, because we cover the team. Uh, I think this team has more potential than a lot of people are leading, leading to believe. Uh, just because of the overall in terms of the roster. So naturally, you're going to expect some regression, and I think re regression will happen. But I don't think it'll be nearly as drastic as people are kind of attaching expectations to. I think they'll make the playoffs, like you said, that's an expectation for the team. That's a goal, and I think it's very much realistic. And I think it's going to be rooted in the fact that James Wade has a group of dogs. Like Kalia Copper always talks about having dogs around her. Uh, I believe Courtney Williams spoke about it when she was speaking on the recruitment process and how Kalia and her had an attachment to each other even after the antics in the playoffs last season just because <laughs> they share the same identity being dogs. They have the biggest chip on their shoulders. They're self-motivated, and you never have to ask for them to bring their energy to the party. I think with Kai being able to look over her left shoulder and it might be somebody like Courtney Williams, and they look over her right shoulder and there's going to be somebody like Marina Mabry, and then it's going to be on the sideline, of course, James Wade, who is the doggest of all the dogs at the coaching at the coaching <laughs> realm you know you're looking around and you're seeing all of these competitive pieces that type of thing especially if it's nurtured the right way which I think James Wade is more than um equipped to do if it's nurtured the right way it can parlay into something that's going to be a weapon for this team to deploy against teams that they might be um outmanned by in terms of the firepower on other teams rosters like you can't go up against a team like Las Vegas or New York or Washington, or even the Sparks this upcoming season, when you don't have the same level of talent, if you don't have dogs that you're bringing to the fight. And those dogs for the sky are going to show up to the party every game. So I'm going to look forward to seeing the different types of scenarios that come from this team, just putting forth that level of activity and just that chip on the shoulder and display. The last time we saw James Wade with those dogs on the roster, like you just said, and where people were doubting them, 
was 2019, and they damn near almost beat the Aces and got to the semifinals in the WNBA playoffs. So I think there's definitely something to that. And if I wanted one coach to, again, just find any type of motivation, any type of just like little thing to get a team going on any given night. I mean, it is James Wade. We've, we've seen him even with, we've seen people like be like the sky are one of the best teams. It's like, Oh really? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Like, again, you, you have to respect it because that fuel is something that you just need to get through an entire summer of basketball playing against some of the best players in the world. So I can't wait to cover that aspect of it. Just, We've seen people doubt James before, both as a coach and executive, and he's shown many times that he's been able to prove those doubters wrong. So you got to love when your general is as fired up as you are on the court as a player. You know what I mean? So I'm really excited for this season, honestly. Like there's a hundred reasons why I am, but to see how the sky go into fuck you mode, I'm. it's mm-hmm. going to be great entertainment, but Steven, I know you got to run. You got some great content coming on for God. Is it uh, game two was last night? Uh, what are you running yeah. for? Is it for the bright side? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna be doing like some film session stuff, and then I got, of course, the writing side of things. Where I'm gonna be talking about different entities that came up during last night's win for the Suns. So uh, just fun stuff, man. Fun stuff, as well as uh, continuing to keep my mind spinning on things to come with the WNBA side as well. Because like you mentioned. <laughs> Training camp is right around the corner. Like once we get into the second round of the NBA playoffs, that's when training camp is going to be coming around and they're going to be double dipping. So tis the season, man. Tis the season. Let's get it. <laughs> I hope you get some Z's at some point. Maybe that'll come uh, next that's fall. The last but... thing, last thing on my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Steven, always great talking with you. And if you don't follow Steven on Twitter, you should. He's one of the most brilliant X's and O's guys we have out there, both covering the NBA and WNBA. Steven, how about you just give him your handle? I don't, I don't have it off the top of my head. So the great people of the Skyhook podcast can uh, can uh, find you there. Yeah, no problem, man. It's uh, stay true S.3. So it's S-T-A-Y-T-R-U-E-S-D-O-T and the number three on Twitter. Uh, yeah, follow me. Uh, I'm looking forward to interacting. Uh, of course, with James over the course of the season, and then as well as uh, just kind of tapping in with the Sky roster and just looking at what comes up in this new rendition of the team. It's a brand new clean slate, brand new roster. So let's kind of uh, just embrace the gray area for what it is, because through gray areas come great opportunities. So let's get to it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming on the show and appreciate you taking the time. Nah, man. Thank you. Anytime. Looking forward to it.